There he is. Hey, good morning, guys. How you doing? Wade, good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. Hi, Christy. Hi, Matt. Hello. It's very, we have, we have LinkedIn message and I feel like I really know you, but this is our first time uh, chatting. So uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's really nice to meet you, Wade. Likewise, Matt. I know Christy and I have worked together uh, in our past lives and uh, yeah, you're right. We just uh, know each other from LinkedIn, but I feel, feel the same. I feel like uh, we go ways back. Yeah, totally. I really, uh, yeah, I really appreciate your LinkedIn presence. It's really, it's really, even though, right, they're just words, you can really get a, a sense for someone's uh, uh, vibe and spirit through LinkedIn. And yeah, I, I, I dig what you have going on. So uh, cool. So where's, where's home? Where do you live? Right now I'm in Greensboro, North Carolina. Cool. Awesome. Um, awesome. Would you mind sharing a, a brief uh, intro about yourself? Yeah, so uh, I've been doing uh, the grocery thing for the last 20 plus 20 plus years, most of it uh, on the conventional side, although the last few years have been focused more on specialty and natural organic. Uh, actually started my working career in uh, the restaurant business. So I feel like we have a little kindred spirit there, you know, the first uh, 10, 15 years, give or take, uh, I was on the restaurant side doing restaurant management, restaurant owning, uh, and all sorts of fun stuff, worked my way into grocery through store level uh, management and uh, into the corporate environment as a buyer into director role into a senior director role and everything in between. So uh, right now I'm, I'm a director again and overseeing grocery dairy frozen. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I buying for the last 20 plus years, give or take. Awesome. Mark, tell me about, I'm super curious, tell me about your restaurants that you owned. Um, well, I only owned one and it was yeah. short lived. <laughs> it was yeah. short lived. Uh, so I started in the restaurant business in high school as a short order cook for uh, the big boy chain out of, uh, you know, the headquarters were in Michigan. Um, we they, had yeah. those when I was a kid. The big yeah. Boys. So they, um, it was, uh, I, you know, I'm born and raised in Ohio and I always like to represent. I got my Cleveland shirt on today. But uh, um, there was a family owned chain, and I say family owned, relatively family owned called LBs, E L B Y. Out of yeah. and their headquarters was uh, close West Virginia in the Weirton, Steubenville, give or take area, St. Clairsville, down around that way. And uh, the big boy corporation out of Michigan purchased them in, I don't know if it was 88, 87, somewhere around there. And um, that was ultimately the demise because the Elby's family, the Borey family exited the business. Big boy came in. Um, and the story goes that when they put the sign up, the big boy sign up business dropped like immediately overnight. It was just, you know, even though the menu was exactly the same, it just, it wasn't the same. So uh, I worked there, uh, worked my way into management and then left and uh, was a manager for a family owned restaurant in my hometown. And about 10 months into that role, uh, the owners decided that they wanted to spend more time at home with their family. And I decided that I was ready to be a restaurant owner uh, and so I, I took over that role in my early mid twenties, give or take. And, uh, you know, family owned family style, uh, you know, you, you fried chicken, roast beef, liver and onions, ham loaf, you know, those kind of things, you know, uh, Sunday dinners after church, uh, had a good business, but, uh, at the end of the day, uh, at that age and with my, I, I'll call it a maturity. I wasn't probably wasn't ready to be a restaurant owner at that time. But I, I like to refer to that as my college education because uh, it cost me probably about the same. 
And uh, it uh, it really matured me uh, and ultimately led me to the grocery business. Yeah, yeah, totally. Cool. I'm also curious. So how's, uh, what do you think about your new living spot? How's, how is North Carolina? Uh, we, we like it. You know, the last two years uh, prior to, we were in California and yeah. uh, it's a great place to visit. Uh, some great people have a lot of connections out there still. In fact, our youngest daughter is out there. Uh, but from a cost of living and long-term sustainability, uh, we felt a little concerned with, you know, um, where we were in our lives and what, what we were seeing as far as that cost of living aspect. Uh, so North Carolina, um, being close to Ohio, you know, we can still get home. Uh, my wife still has, and I do for that matter, have family around the Columbus, Cleveland area. So, uh, it's, it's, you know, a, a little bit of an extended drive to get there six, seven hours, give or take. Uh, but this is more our speed. This is more, you know, cool. center of the earth and, and good. Yeah. People. Um, and we, we feel pretty good about it. We're a stone's throw away from the uh, minor league baseball field across the street. Nice. And, uh, yeah. So every, every weekend game, when there's a home game, there's fireworks after the game. So it's pretty cool. Oh, super fun. Who are they minor league for? Who's uh, the, for, for the pirates for the pirates. of okay. Pittsburgh. So coincidentally, we're headed to Pittsburgh tomorrow. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's headed back home kind of, sort of to see a, to see a, see a show in Pittsburgh. Uh, music rage against the machine. Yes. All right. Three years cool. in the making. It- Three years in the making. It was canceled twice for COVID. And yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so is that yeah. a baseball stadium show? Where is it? It's a it, it's a arena show. Arena. Yeah. yeah. Cool. That's yeah. uh that's awesome. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh I love it. All right. Cool. So I thought it could be interesting to dive in. The dynamic and relationship between buyer and seller. Right. <laughs> I don't even know this side. <laughs> I try right. to learn this side uh, just from my own thoughts and how it should unfold. So for me, I just, yeah, I just jotted down, Chris and I jotted down a few few topics and questions that I'm like, would love to hear from the other side. I mean, I will say I can already, I already know, but by the way, you speak on LinkedIn that you're not like many buyers who we deal with, but uh, you, you're who we're chatting with. So, uh, yeah. So, so first of all, I'm curious how a normal, normal day, how many inbounds do you get of people trying to sell you stuff? Mm, that's that's an interesting question because it's kind of evolved, right? Um, you know, with especially with this most recent move, um, I, I would say I get a handful of requests via LinkedIn. You know, whether it's an old connection. Uh, trying to reach out, whether it's a new connection or what have you, just met me through LinkedIn. Uh, and interestingly enough, it's it's one of the one of the most uh, dynamic things I see is that you know there's so many salespeople that just try and get their foot in the door, and it doesn't matter if it's services, if it's marketing, if it's a category that I have nothing to do with. You know, it's just like if they get a response, it's just, just like boom shark and water, right? I mean, it's just like, let's go. I got a live one. Uh, and then let's get in on him no matter what he he buys. It doesn't matter. Oh, can you share that email? It's just like, uh, come on guys. It's legitimately phishing. But, uh, um, on the work side, um, a handful as well. I, I, I think it's easier now in my role now because of, uh, you know, I have a pretty, I have a team underneath me of assorted category managers, assistant category managers, uh, and so on. And so I've got a team of about 14 underneath me, uh, so I'm not doing as much, even if someone reaches out to me, they're going to get referred to either someone on my team 
or I'm going to respond with a category review to say, here's when we're, we're looking at that category. So um, even though I might have, you know, half a dozen to a dozen reach out on any given day, it's going to get, you know, diverted one way or the other. Yeah. Oh, there's so much popping in my brain right now. <laughs> Uh, so I was just going to share, I'm, Matt, that you'll enjoy this because during my time at Rooted, I've definitely come into LinkedIn out like sending emails and reaching out to people on LinkedIn via message. But Wade was the first buyer I ever approached via LinkedIn um, in my previous role. And that was took a lot for me because at the time it was really hard and fast to don't approach buyers on LinkedIn, but I couldn't get through to Wade. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it made me chuckle, Wade, when I went to message you about this, and I, I saw my, my first message to you in our history, and I, I, it gave me a good laugh. That's that's interesting. You know, um, in my history with LinkedIn, I you know I've been on the platform for I, I'd have to go back and look whatever sh shows I joined, but I really didn't start using it until probably mid to late 2019. And I was still in Louisiana. And then I really got involved in 2020 when I made the move to California. And the primary reason behind that is, um, you know, obviously over the span of what at that point, two, two and a half years, whatever it was, I'd moved from Ohio to Louisiana to California. And well, obviously there are still some relationships that will make that trek with you. Uh, it was, it was a whole new environment. And I really, my predecessor in California was not there. So I was filling a void that was empty and had been empty for some time. We're in the middle of COVID and I literally had no means of meeting people, you know, as you know, our office, we weren't taking appointments. Uh, you know, it was just like, okay, here, figure it out. And so I use LinkedIn for myself selfishly as a platform to meet people like Christy. Uh, and so not only was that welcome, that exchange, it was, I was encouraging it because I didn't have those contacts in California. Yeah. So what do you think about that initial outreach LinkedIn versus, versus email. Do, do you think one is more aggressive or professional or better uh, to go? I feel like, I feel like it's just, it really depends on the individual. For me, obviously I'm a lot more open to exchanges on LinkedIn than maybe some other people are. That being said, I am not necessarily going to reach out direct message immediately on LinkedIn. I'm probably going to follow you a little bit, see what, see what you're up to kind of see what you, what you're using the platform as, and then maybe go from there. Maybe I respond to something you post. Maybe I like it, whatever, uh, something like that. Email on the other hand, um, you know, it doesn't take a lot to get someone's email. I mean, if you Google it, you're, you're going to find her. You've got to know someone that's going to get it. I'm um, scrappy salesperson will find it. Well, and I was going to say, I think there was a time when I would say email might have been more personal. I don't know if that's the case now. I think LinkedIn, there's a personality side to that that I think at least I've made it that way for myself um, mm -hmm. intentionally. Uh, on on the email side, I, I think that for me at least tends to be a little bit more professional just because of the way I use it. Um, and, and, but that's me. Yeah, totally. So I've always been, and we've talked about it on team podcasts, uh, subject lines fascinate me. Just right. It's the first, it's the first thing people read. That's how you decide whether to open an email. What are your what are your thoughts on subject line? What like what would grab you? What would be like tacky and too much? What would be interesting? Do you like your name in a subject line? Because I put a name. I think I'm the only person in the team in the team who puts a name. Uh, 
You know, I, I you said it yourself. I'm probably unlike other people. I, I really don't pay a lot of attention to subject lines. Uh, because, and again, so much of what I'm doing right now with LinkedIn, if someone directs, directs me on LinkedIn, more than likely, I'm going to say, hey, email me your information. Here's my email. And, yeah. and so then it's, you know, follow up from LinkedIn, maybe in the subject ha- header or something like that. So yeah. I do those. Um, I'm, I got to be honest. I mean, in, especially internal, and I'm, I would think it's probably the same with you folks. Um, I don't do a lot of, I mean, there's times when I send an email that doesn't have a subject. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? and, and, but I mean, externally, um, I try and be concise and to the point, you know, as far as, uh, you know, maybe it's reaching out or, per our conversation or something like that. I, I mean, I, I feel like it, it, if you're referring to cold call, cold I call. Probably, yeah, I yeah. Probably, like probably, someone selling you. Yes. I probably want to say, you know, like maybe intro to, or yeah. uh, I can see using a name in there like, Hey, Wade, yada, yada, yada. The only yeah. thing with that is, is if it's a true cold call and I don't know you, that might, in all honesty, might deter me a little bit. Just be like, who is this guy, you know, and what's he, what's, what's, you know what I mean? It's because um, when I think about my Gmail account and some of those emails I get that are quote unquote personalized, you know, a lot of them are going to have my name in in the subject. And it's like, come on. It's funny. So Christy on our team, on our team podcast talking about that, Christy's like, "Eh, it feels spammy. And in my head, it like personalizes it. That's, that's the spirit of my message with that subject line, but that's, that's interesting. Well, and, and not to go down a rabbit hole, but it's one of the things I've talked about over the years in in, in both our podcasts and on LinkedIn with regards to um, uh, form cookie cutter letters, right? I, I don't want to see copy, paste, take out Matt, insert Wade, copy, paste, take out Christy, insert Matt. You know what I mean? I want to see if it's personalized, it's personalized. That personalized doesn't mean just using my first and last name or removing uh Joe's IGA and putting in Fred's IGA, you know, it's, it's, it's personalizing based on what I do and who I am and how you're trying to sell me, not the same sales pitch you gave her. You've just conformed it to meet me. Totally. So I think last question for me on that first email, just because in our world, it's like, it's just so interesting because we're every day trying to make new connections and doing that via email. So it's just so interesting. What does that ideal email look like? Ideal ish as far as like length and like, I don't know how, like, yeah. What is it? Is it coming in like super person, like even almost not talking about their product for maybe the first few sentences and then like a real deep dive or like what, or what attributes do you want to hear about the product? And then what ask is, I guess it's going to be meeting or samples, but yeah. I, I think for me, I want to know essentially who you are, why you're reaching out to me, what, who, why, what, all that stuff. Right. And, and I, I don't think it would hurt if, you know, if, if Matt, you reached out and you said, Oh, I, uh, Christy tells me that, you know, she worked with you and, you know, some kind of introductory, like up and connect a little bit. Yeah. 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 Something, you know, to connect the dots and it's not, you know, I, I, I think I go back to what we talked about on LinkedIn or what I did. Uh, I want to, I want to get to know you a little bit and I want to, you know, if I'm going to say, I'm, I'm putting myself in your shoes. I want to get, I'm going to look and see how you're, how you're going to market, how you're using the platform. And, and then I'm going to hopefully find a way to find myself or my service into that 
environment so that it's not 100% a cold call. Like I've done a little bit of homework with, you know, who you are and what you do. Um, and I, I feel like from my perspective on my side, on the buying side, I kind of like to see that in the pitch too, is like, okay, this isn't necessarily a true, you know, a cold call per se. I've, I've done a little bit of research here. I, I know a little bit about your company and or you and, and what you're doing. And this is how I can help you. What kind of uh, inbound would make you roll your eyes? Like what kind of first email? You're just like, Ugh, like, just like. It's that, it's that cookie cutter. It's that one that yeah, you, yeah, can tell, you can tell that's been sent 150 times. Totally. And on, honestly, totally. it's, it's going to be a delete. It's I, I'm not yeah. even respond to it. And I respond to generally, I, I don't even want to give percent a lot. Most of my, even, yeah. my, even my LinkedIn messages I respond to. But if it's something like that where you're completely fishing and totally. just get a live one, done, move on. Yeah, yeah. And, and I guess I can relate to that as well, just from like just from LinkedIn and people, you know, trying to sell us stuff. It's the same thing. Like if someone brings any authenticity or right. realness, I'm gonna respond, but when you're just like long, spammy, robotic, you're just like, what's the does anyone respond to this? Right. Yeah. Um, so when someone there might just be a certain way you guys do things, but when someone gets a meeting, how long should the meeting invite, if they send the meeting invite, how long should they send it for, for a virtual and an in-person? Well, virtual, uh, it, it kind of depends on, on where you're at in the process is if, if it's a first meeting or something like that. Uh, I don't, I think the longest, at least for me, especially on a, a initial or first reach out is probably max 30 minutes. Um, realistically, maybe 15 to just kind of, hey, get to know each other, not uh, interfere with personal time and and just be just be cognizant of the fact that, you know, hey, I got a lot, you know, I, I, I made contact, let's not take advantage of it. Let's, let's just be concise and brief and not read a 50 page PowerPoint. Let's just, you know, make a connection. And I think, for me, a lot about sales is personalizing. And, and making sure you get that connection, you know, as opposed to, you know, the typical car salesman pitch and, you know, that sort of vibe. I, I, that, that doesn't connect with me at all. I think people can, get, people can get lost. They lose focus, right? They're so focused on the end goal that then they, they book that meeting, right? And they're like, I got to jam it all. I mean, I'm guilty of it myself. Like you got to jam it all into that meeting. Whereas to your point, I think when I've sent those 15 minute invites, it really, it kind of like, it was take someone's defenses down a little bit because right. they go, oh, okay, this person gets it. They're not like forcing me into a 30 minute meeting. I mean, 30 minute meetings for most people, there's 10 minutes prior to it and 10 minutes yeah. after, and they've lost quite a bit of time. Um, and I think from the salesperson perspective, it can be hard because you feel like I've got this person on the meeting. Let's, let's right. get them in, let's get it right. done. Um, but when you really think of building a long-term relationship, shorter can be better. We're, we're big believers in short meetings though. Well, and it's a lot of what I, you know, I, I say crawl, walk, run all the time. I, I deliver it in every post. It's like, just that mentality should be, should be that way for, for everything, you know, as far as how you, how you go to go to business. And when I think about what, what Chrissy just said, it, it's, it's absolutely true because so many times a 30 minute meeting involves hi, I'm Christy. I was born and raised here and, and I've worked here and here and here. And we're like, 15 minutes into it. And, and I love to hear the backstory, but okay. Why are we meeting? You know what? Let's get to the point. And, and I remember vividly in Ohio, um, I, I would schedule my appointments on, uh, you know, it, it varied, but, uh, but there for a while I was doing it literally all day Tuesday and all day Thursday. And I, in 
I was pretty open to taking appointments, whether it's cold calls or, or ongoing. And I had people that would make appointments every month. And that was the vibe. They'd come in and it would be like, okay, we're spending the first 15 minutes. You're driving literally three hours to see me. And you're spending 15 minutes talking about, you know, the Indians over the weekend. And it's like, is that time well spent for either one of us? You know, it's, I'd rather jump on the phone, you know, or shoot a couple of texts, do something like that. But the meeting aspect, I, I'm a firm believer. And if you have a meeting, it should be productive. I'm curious. I'm curious how you feel about relationship building, right? Because in the virtual world, it's tricky. Um, and even when you think of sending an email and trying to personalize it, how, you know, how do you feel about that? Like, what's that line between trying to get to know someone and, and build a quote unquote relationship, but also we all know that people are there to sell things, you right. know, and like walking that authentically um, and, and time to management, like what is that? How do you feel about that? You know, when someone sends you an email and they're like, blah, 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 blah which is great. Right. But like, at what point is it enough, but not too much? I, I think it really just depends. I mean, I, I say this all the time, you know, I get a lot of requests or, and, and, and I throw this out there. It's not an ego thing or anything like that. It's just legitimate that, you know, Hey, let's do lunch. Let's do dinner. Let's do this. And, and for me, if you know anything about me, um, about 99.9% .9 of my time outside of work is spent with my wife. And so for me to, whether we talk about a lunch, um, during work is one thing, uh, but even that I'll come back to that, but a dinner, that's my time. You know, and it's an extension of work. And what I tell people all the time, uh, if they if they ask or if they care, is that, you know, from a whether it's lunch, which again is kind of my time, right? I get a little short break at work. And a lot of times it's at my desk or it's in the corner of the break room or something like that. Or maybe if I'm adventurous, I might walk home. But I've got a little window of time to maybe check my phone, listen to something, whatever I'm doing, right? And so if I'm gonna give you that time for me, if it's, 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 I've got to want to spend that time. And then when we talk about dinners, then you're talking about, oh my gosh, that's two or three hour affair. I want, I'm going to need to want to spend that time with you. And it's not always necessarily a courteous thing. I think if you go back in the seventies and even eighties and probably even into the nineties, so many relationships and business were built on those dinners and those events and these extravagant things. And now I feel like you can make a personal connection with someone and catch up and a personal relationship could be, you know, a text, Hey, Hey, what's up? Or, or just a quick picture or something like that. So there's a, there is a fine line, Chrissy. And I, I don't know if I have an answer. I probably just gave you a, a litany of garbage, uh, not mm -hmm. responding to your question, but I feel like it depends on the person. And I feel like you kind of get what you give. Um, and you can tell a lot by the way someone's interacting back with you if, if they want to open that door a little bit more into that personal side versus, okay, let's stay focused and let's talk about what you're doing, what I'm doing. All right. Um, two questions I'm very excited to ask, which are out to go. Um, after a meeting, can someone send a follow-up too quickly where you're like, Ugh. like if someone sent, and then, and then I guess I'll finish. And then at what point do you lose trust with someone that maybe they don't have their act together? Like, is it two days, three days where you're just like, Ooh, I don't know if I want to work with you. So I guess both routes there. Yeah. So I'll give a little bit on both of those. So um, I'm pretty transparent and I'd be, I'll, I'll be more than forthcoming with, if you asked me, if you asked me, I feel like it's safe to ask in, in the initial, what's a safe time? What's a good time to follow up? 
you know, is it, what's your, what's your timeline? It depends on the service, right? Or it depends on the product or where we're at. For me now in this environment, we've got a category review calendar. So I'm probably not gonna to talk to you about a product if it's not falling within our review cycle. Uh, but I'm gonna be transparent initially and say, hey, we're looking at next quarter, we're looking at July, we're looking at the first of the year. I'm gonna be transparent. And for that, I probably don't wanna hear back from you if I've told you July and you reach out to me in May, it might be a little early. Um, would you would you want someone in that instance to send you like a post meeting follow up? Right, like it was so great to meet yes. you. Wait, thanks Something so much. Like that, I'll think... follow up with you in July. Yeah, yeah, I personally like that. I like that. It's like okay, here's what we talked about. Uh, yeah. You know, per your request or per your direction, I'll, I'll follow back up with you. Thanks again. You know, and I think there are ways to ease that along. Like, let's just use that. We, we talk now, we're talking on July 27th and I've told you the first of the year, maybe it's safe to, to send that initial follow-up like Christy just said and say, okay, thanks for this. I'll follow up with you the first of the year, blah, blah, blah. Um, then maybe November or so you reach out and say, Hey, Wade, just wanted to let you know, uh, you know, happy holidays, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I look forward to catching up with you at the beginning of the year, something like that to kind of ease that gap, I think is safe. Um, but then the second question, Matt, as far as losing trust, uh, I'm glad you brought that up because it's something um, I, I feel like I need to, I'm going to uh, go back and regurgitate some of my stuff from LinkedIn that I posted over the last year or two uh, with regards to sales and things. And one of the things that I said uh, was uh, do what you say and only say what you'll do. And it's mm -hmm. very simple. So from a trust standpoint, that transparency, that you know, that greasy salesman, you know, that kind of vibe um, doesn't work with me. And so uh, you lose trust with me when you overcommit and underdeliver. And, and that's what going back to doing what you say and say what you'll do. That whole concept for me um, is how you lose trust. And, and I think the other thing I would say to that is with regards to, we talk about the review cycle and a review calendar or something of this sort, right? So if, uh, if I give you the benefit of the doubt and say, hey, uh, you know, we'll, we'll let's talk about this. It's out of cycle, whatever the case is, right? But I've told you up front, I only want things out of cycle that are going to be home runs. Let's not, don't come to me with singles and doubles and triples. Let's talk home runs if it's out of cycle. Otherwise, let's talk in cycle, right? And if you come to me and I take your word because I'm a nice guy or whatever you want to say, and it's a, it's a foul ball or it's a single, yeah. that trust is broken, right? I mean, it's like, okay, not everything's a home run and you as a salesperson, deep down, I would like to say, should know what a home run is. And if you come to me with that pitch that, hey, wait, this is a can't miss, you've got to have this, you can't wait. I, and I give you that benefit of the doubt, it better be what you say. Kind of goes back to that, do what you say, say what you do. Yeah. Totally, totally. Um, all right, potentially last question here. Advice for brands putting together their sample box? Like what, what underwhelms? Like what does it look like? How important is it? And what like just like just feels good and hits the spot? Like are you a fan of a handwritten note? Do you think notes are important? So, uh, and, and this is something else I've talked about. And, and again, I should regurgitate because it's, it's worth mentioning and, and repeating over please, and over again. So many times that sample box is the first impression of a company or a service. And I'll give you a perfect example. I, um, I got a box uh, recently 
uh, with some things in it and half the contents were spilled out. Uh, one of the contents was missing and it's like, hmm, wait a second. You know, and the other one that I'll give you that has happened more than once uh, is, uh, well, uh, two different ones, uh, pasta sauce, glass jars, broken. And so you open that up and not only is that a bad first impression, that builds animosity. It's like, because that's that, then it becomes work, right? I've got to, I've got to clean it up. I've got to dispose of it. I've got to, you not only have you just messed up the first impression, but you've, you've created work for me. That's a problem. The other one is like, uh, you know, whether it's anything liquid that, you know, pasta sauce is technically is liquid, I guess, but liquid. So you're shipping multiple things and liquid, you know, and so if I get something like that, that's broke, the whole box goes in the trash. I mean, literally, yeah. I'm not even going to try and salvage it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not worth my time. I'm going to, I'm going to say, Matt Christie, that box you sent me didn't work. Right. So my advice on sample boxes is one, make sure sample boxes are wanted because for okay. me, uh, and especially in my living situation where I'm at, as well as my office situation, I, I have a very limited space. And so I don't want someone to just cold call sample box mail me because I don't have space to store it either at home or at the office. So if I want them, if you reach out and I want them, I'll tell you, yeah, I want them. But I, I, I believe that strongly. And, and I think if you ask around, especially here uh, with, with uh, again, that review calendar, you send something out of cycle, it's just going to go on the shelf for the office to have a free for all with, it's not going to be reviewed. So there's, there's a fine line there, but from the personal standpoint, I, I don't mind the notes. Um, I think it kind of goes back to, well, go back just two steps ago. What I said is, did I ask for the sample? If I ask for the sample, personal, it, it, it probably is going to register with me. But if you're cold calling and sending a personal one, it might just be like, okay, this is kind of this is kind of cheesy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Um, cool. Well, we're right right on time. Uh, Wade, I I really really appreciate the conversation uh, a lot. It's very fascinating. Uh, for for us to get those questions in. So thank you very much. Absolutely enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. We'll have to do That's it cool. again. I mean, I feel like 30 minutes went by pretty fast. It does, right? Yes, it, <laughs> yes, it did. Until it's your 30-minute lunch. Right. <laughs> That's hilarious. Chris, do you want to pause?